We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today. If you have a Bible, either you know, in print or on your phone, you're not going to offend me, as long as you're not checking your email. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, really invite you to follow along. Uh, I think the, the text will also be on the screen. Uh, I'm going to read the passage for us for today, pray, and then we'll jump in. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it says this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air and the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. This is God's word. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we just invite you uh, here and now. Uh, Lord, we want to hear from you. Uh, so God, would you give us ears to hear from you, eyes to see you, and hearts ready uh, to receive. Uh, Lord, we need you. Amen. Uh, so I'm reminded today... And I, I know that I'm going to get some flack for this, but I'm reminded today of, of a, a song by some country music artists, Brooks and Dunn. I know that there's, thanks, yeah, thanks. Hey, I know that there's going to be some opinions about country music. We don't need to go there. But, you know, if it wasn't for stories of sin and salvation, or, or just stories of radical change in people's lives, we really wouldn't have country music. Uh, Listen, listen with me, uh, just a few lines from, from a song from Brooks and Dunn called Brand New Man. Uh, just a few lines. Well, the whole town's talking about the line I'm walking that leads right to your door. Oh, how I used to roam. I was a rolling stone. I used to have a wild side. They say a country mile wide. I burned those beer joints down. That's all changed now. You turned my life around. He's talking about a, a new romantic love interest that he's got. I think this is really interesting, right? All it takes to turn a life around is the love of the right kind of person. Except for all the other country songs about her leaving and him enjoying fishing more than being with her. Um, but this song and other parts of our world tell us that that's all it takes. Uh, the right kind of romantic relationship, uh, the right kind of job, or moving to the right city, 
That's all that it might take to change your life completely for the better. I used to live doing X crazy thing. Now I don't because of this romantic relationship. Uh, I, I know I kind of waste my time. I'm, I'm kind of lazy. But once I get the right job, uh, then I will honor my employer with my work. I'm guessing that most of you aren't country singers that are going to like stay up and close the bars down. But all of us have things in our lives that we want to see changed. Or to use a stronger word, transformed. All of us have things that we're embarrassed of. But things that negatively affect the relationships that we care about. We all have patterns of sin in our lives that we desperately want to see completely gone. The great thing for us today is that there is a relationship that can truly change our lives. And not only that, unlike the singer of the country song, in this relationship with God, we don't have to stop or start doing certain things in order to be accepted. Actually, God himself is the one that steps towards us and decides that he's going to change us from the inside out. Rather than our actions being what makes us acceptable, God, he makes us acceptable. He changes us, and through his grace alone, that is what changes our actions. So if I didn't leave you, lose you at country music, here's the big idea for today. Because God's grace brings us from death to life, we must work from our salvation, not for it. So let's look back at the text together. Ephesians 2, verses uh, 1 through 3. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived, According to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedience, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. So this is the Apostle Paul writing to a church, a specific church in Ephesus. And he's already told them in the previous chapter about the power of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Now, he's making things more personal and direct. And he's reminding them that those who believe in Jesus Christ had a certain spiritual state before they believed. And this leads us to our first point. Because God's grace brings us from death to life, we must rely solely on God to change our lives. The Apostle Paul is reminding them that before following Jesus, they were dead in their trespasses and sins. Now, they were alive physically, but dead spiritually. Literally walking dead. Verse 3 shows us that this is true of all people throughout all time. 
apart from Christ, we're spiritually dead. Uh, maybe you've heard a pastor joke before, so I guess maybe it's just worth me mentioning. You know, in the original language, in the Greek, dead here means dead. When we follow our own ways, we live disobedient lives to God, and that leads to death. Now think about this. It's a hard thing to consider, but let's just start in that position. If we start off spiritually dead, we need someone outside of us to not just revive us, but to just plain give us life. We're not in need of spiritual resuscitation or to be like spiritually hydrated. We need God to just simply make us alive in the first place. Dead things can't help themselves. We must rely solely on God to change us. There's nothing you can do, any of us, in our own power and strength to take us from death to life on our own. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, well, I don't really feel spiritually dead. And I, I, you might find that kind of offensive. Uh, think about this. Imagine with me for a second. And we've got this screen here that we use for our, our song lyrics. Uh, imagine if we could play your entire life on this screen right now for everyone else in here to see. Or, or just the last week. And not, not just your actions, but your thoughts, too. Would you be able to just stand and look at everybody? Or, or do you already feel yourself kind of wanting to hide a little? How would you feel? Just the audio of your thoughts. Those are the things that we need God to transform in our lives. The things that make you want to hide. The sin that you're embarrassed of. Sometimes they're obvious, right? Outbursts of anger. Sometimes they're more hidden, like obsessing over your retirement account so that you can feel like you have some kind of control. With our thoughts and actions laid out for everyone to see, it's those things the things that we really want to see changed, things that leave us feeling desperate, those are what lead us to rely solely on God. Here's the thing. God sees all those things. And actually, it's important to point out, He's not looking for us to have it all together and be perfect and to change ourselves. And that's why it's important what we're reading here in this text. The Apostle Paul isn't writing to the, the church in a, like a holier-than-thou attitude. Right? Look back at verse 3. He says, we all previously lived in our fleshly desires. I have to rely on God. God's the only one that can bring me from death to life. So today, if you're a Christian, we have a reminder of something that we can do anytime. If you're a Christian, you can remember you can remember that it was God that brought you from death to life. You were utterly dependent on God, and now you're still dependent on Him to transform these deep places 
in your life. This dependence, that will allow God to work and transform. Now I invite you, share with others. Remember with others what God has done. Remember, if you're a Christian, your initial salvation, and remember with others what he's done throughout your life. Develop rhythms in your prayer life to reflect on God's goodness and kindness. And don't give in to the temptation to rely simply on yourself. Because of God's grace, we should rely solely on him. And what would happen, right? What would happen if we relied on God? Well, one, I think we'd see him transform different parts of our lives. But actually, I think what would happen in an even more immense way is we would begin thanking God for things that we never thought possible. Now, look back at the text, verses 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were uh, dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God, rich in mercy, because of his great love made you alive. Today, we thank God because he doesn't leave us in our spiritual deadness. If you're looking at the text, verses 4 and 5 here, along with what you'll see later in verse 8, it shows us really what the good news of the gospel really is. God did it. Purely out of his mercy and love. His grace is immeasurable. Meaning, no matter how sinful you feel, God's got grace for you. He's never going to run out of it. God's love in the work of Christ means that by faith he holds nothing against you. Do you see how, how this leads us to gratitude? wanting to just thank God? Dead men, dead women, without hope in themselves, saved by a loving God. This leads us to our second point. Because God's grace brings us from death to life, we must give God thanks. If you're here today and you hear nothing else, there's no work you can perform to impress God. That you can't do anything to make yourself acceptable. All of us need God to enter our lives and to, for him to make us right with him. That could have been our second point. We could have just left it at, at that. But here's the thing. A lot of you know that. A lot of you nodded your head at that and, and agreed. We're not saved by our works. Yeah. 
you might acknowledge that on a Sunday or even doing a devotional throughout your week. But I think there's more here. If we just nod our heads in agreement and then don't experience the freedom of God's mercy alone and by being saved by grace alone throughout our week, we're missing something. And I think that's where the thankfulness comes in. Without God's grace, we're in a desperate place. With God's grace, we're raised to life. This should excite us. This should put us on the edge of our seat. Being raised up and seated with Christ implies victory. In Christ Jesus, we have victory over sin and death. Victory over the fleeting pleasures of this world. Victory over sinful desires. Victory over burdens that seem too great for us, but are not too great for God. God did this out of who he is, merciful and loving. This victory is why, if you've been saved through the kindness of God, you'll thank him. Uh, have you ever been in a place where you just, you couldn't do anything but just like thank somebody? Like they did just something just so generous. You couldn't pay them back. All you could do was just, thank you so much, like that. You're just so taken aback, right? It was you were you had that feeling because whatever they did, it, it took deep meaning in your heart. We express thanks to God because we received something we didn't deserve or expect. We deserved God's wrath. We lived lives of disobedience. But in his grace, he saves. Uh, a number of years ago, I was having coffee with a college student. And um, he said to me, I don't get it. Everyone keeps saying, Jesus loves you and he died for you. That's weird. And, and as I kept listening to him, I, I was like, what, what, do you, what do you mean? What's, what's weird? And they're like, well, he said, if somebody loves you, don't they just want to be with you? Why would they die? Why would he die? You see, this college student was, you know, actually it's a great point. Like, it is kind of weird to just say Jesus loves you and died for you. You've got to fill in some information, right? He didn't see that we're in a desperate place apart from God. He didn't see that we have a need for our sins to be covered by Jesus on the cross. If we don't know the state we're in, it doesn't really make sense to say someone loves you and died for you. If someone loves you, they do want to be with you. Uh, think about it this way. Wouldn't it be weird if I just told my wife I loved her and then I just jumped in front of a bus? Right? But if my wife was standing in front of a moving bus unknowingly, I guess, and, and I pushed her out of the way, and I took her place. One, she would hopefully know that I loved her. And with that mix of grief, she would also have gratitude. If someone died to save you, you'd wake up with them on your mind, wouldn't you? If someone died to save you, we you just tell people stories about that all the time? God, out of his merciful and loving character, 
in his power, takes people who are in eternal danger and instead gives them victory through his death. The college student I was speaking with thought it was weird for Jesus to die because people that love each other just want to be together. Faith in Jesus Christ means that we have a secured future hope of eternity with Jesus. And do you find yourself thankful? Do you express gratitude to God? It's the natural response for someone who's received mercy. Because God's grace brings us from death to life, we must give God our thanks. What might keep you from that? I think a lot of us have just kind of like, life is pretty good. We've got some things that we want to work on, but we've got decent jobs and we've got decent homes. We're pretty self-reliant. I want to invite you to prioritize expressing thanks to God. It's going to help with remembering. Uh, you could actually thank God for all of your meals. I traditionally have not done that. But when we thank God for our meals, or actually anything that we purchase, we recognize that everything that we have, God has given to us. When you take communion, do you actually pause and reflect Christ's body broken and his blood shed for you? We rely solely on God to change our lives. We give our thanks to God. And finally, we do God's works because his grace shows us what we were actually made to do. Uh, this is our last point today. Because God's grace brings us from death to life, we must do God's works. Uh, let's look at the last few verses for today, uh, starting in verse 8. Now, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. All Christians start with the same resume. I've been saved by grace, through faith. There's nothing I've done. There's nothing in my family line. It doesn't matter if your granddaddy was a preacher. It doesn't matter how much you give of your time and your money. It doesn't matter if you have a certain personal moral framework. None of that impresses God. No one can get a big head or boast before God because what they have is a free gift. He gave it to us. If there's anything we could do to save ourselves, that would take away from God being the one who deserves all the glory and praise. It's a gift. It's free. And finally, Paul goes on, and in verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. God, the one who created heaven and earth, everything in it, he created us. 
He created us to do the good works of God. So listen, our works don't save. It's not our individual performance that makes us acceptable. But God has prepared a work for us to do. God takes those who are rebelling against him, children of wrath, people who were dead in sin, and he makes us into something new. He makes us alive. In God's goodness, he pre-planned for us. That's what we're seeing here. He pre-planned these works. Before the creation of the world, he thought about you. And do you see the contrast between verse 1 and verse 10? There's, there's two different ways to live. Without God's grace, we live according to our own ways, to the standards of the world. But God has prepared a different way for us, a different way to live. A way that he planned in his goodness so that we would live for his glory and for our good. Now, we don't simply receive salvation and then live slightly better moral lives, but who we are completely changes. In the field of uh, horticulture, uh, plants are named scientifically, their genus and species, based in large part by what they produce. Uh, the major defining characteristics for how plants are grouped together is by their fruit. So, just think about apples. There's thousands of types of apples in the world. I think like 7,000 types. You can be sure, though, out of all of them, even though there's lots of different looking types of trees, they'll all produce apples. Apple trees, because of how they were created, their genetics, that's what they'll do. For those who are in Christ Jesus, we are his workmanship, part of his creation. The natural thing to do is God's works, to desire to do God's works. We're not working for salvation, we're working from salvation, working from a place of what it means to be a recipient of mercy. You see, the trees don't produce apples to prove what they are. They're doing that simply out of what they are. When we receive a gift of salvation by grace, we were changed. We're able to live how God created us, doing the good works of God. What might that be? Just from our text, those who received mercy find themselves being merciful. Those who were once enemies of God find themselves loving their enemies. If we did nothing to earn God's acceptance, what should you require of other people to be accepted by you? We will do the good works of God and seek to have a heart that loves God and loves our neighbor. Friends, apart from Christ, we live in a way that ultimately leads to death. But the good news is that God brings us from death to life. And then 
we get to work from a place from our salvation, not for it. We rely solely on God to transform us. We get to thank Him for the work that He's done in our lives. And we get to do the good works of God. Not to appease Him, but because that's what we were created to do. Let's pray. Father, how good and kind you are to us. Lord, I pray that we would remember and remember often that we received great mercy and love from you. God, would being raised up with Christ be something that overjoys, that gives us just immense gladness. Lord, would this message of being free from sin and death through faith and by grace alone not ever grow stale to us? God, would you prepare us and open us up for the good works that you have for us? And Father, I pray too, that none of us here would have misplaced shame, but that being confronted with our neediness would give us just more and more praise because we know how much freedom is in you. God, thanks for your goodness and your kindness to us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. We want to continue our worship by turning our attention to what the Lord Jesus has done for us. We want to, we want to sing and we want to remember his death on the cross. We do this each week. Yes, some traditions, they may do it only once a month, but the Bible says, for as often as you're remembering. And the gospel is the only reason that we are gathered. The gospel is the only reason that we come together. So we want to remember what the Lord Jesus has done for us. If anyone here is here this afternoon and has not placed faith in Jesus, has not turned from their sin to Jesus, I'm so grateful that you were here. And I pray by the, that the Spirit of God would prick your heart as Ted was preaching um, to open your eyes to who Jesus is. But as we prepare to partake of communion, I ask that you not, you not come. But it doesn't mean that we don't want you to partake of communion. I think that's an opportunity to really have a conversation about what it means to trust in Jesus. But for those of us who are in the faith, we have the opportunity to partake of a meal that is a, a small picture of that great meal that we're going to have when we spend eternity with the Lord. So those who are going to help me with communion can come. As they are getting ready, we have bread and we have juice. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to stand and you on your side, start from the back row, 
just come down the aisle and come and receive. Take a piece of bread, take um, a cup with the juice. Same thing on this side. If you need a gluten, a gluten-free option or you want a prepackaged element, I will have those standing here just from a logistic standpoint. But let's see what Paul says. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 to the church at Corinth. He says, for I received from the Lord, what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Then he closes with this, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is an act of worship, not just to coming and getting bread and drinking juice, but as you partake of these elements, remember the sacrifice of Jesus, his death on the cross for you and for me, his body broken and his blood shed. So let's stand and let's come down and receive from the elements. Receive the elements. 